0: We're going to start in, in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to jump into Exodus and, and Numbers. So um, Jesus was approached by some people who, who heard him answer a question that was asked. And they thought that they were smarter than him. So they walked up to him and asked him a question. And they asked him about what were the greatest commandments. Do you remember this in Matthew? And he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, soul. In mind, right? He answered them with this and we, we look at that and we, we call that the great commandment. We call that, we, we look at that and we say that's our number one responsibility as, as followers of Christ is to have an a intimate relationship with God. And, and over the past few weeks what we've talked about is that we've talked about that. We've sung about that. We've sung about what it means to love God. We sung about it today. Um, if you sing the like, really, sing the words of that we just sang that god's faithful, that he's the great I am, then it's we do that, but then we got to the point of saying man i want to I want to start living that. I want to start walking that. I actually want to love God I don't want to sing about loving God. I want to love God. I want to get that in me i want to I want to make that number one in my life. So we kind of came to this point of saying if 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 we realize that that's the case, then we we should give some practical tools. On what that looks like, just what does it mean to love God? If I say go love God, do you know how to love God? After the past couple weeks, maybe you have a couple tools in your pocket now where you you know, oh, I, I know how to love God because of the past couple weeks, and we've given you some practical applications for that. And we're, we're taking it out of Matthew chapter nine verses, um, or chapter six verses nine through thirteen. This is what it says: It says this, Our Father in heaven, may Your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So, so here's, here's the thing. The disciples that had been hanging out with Jesus came to him, and they asked him to teach them something. Now... These guys had watched Jesus feed 5,000 people with a couple of fish and a couple of bread, loaves of bread. They've seen Jesus do this massive miracle. They've seen Jesus take a blind man, and the guy walked away seeing. Jesus raised somebody from the dead before them. They saw this, and they came to him and said, Lord, we want you to teach us something. And they didn't ask him, teach us? How would you do that bread and fish thing? They didn't say that. They didn't say, hey, when you did the dirt and spit thing, tell us about that. Or the kid that you raised from the dead, tell us about that. They didn't say that. They said, would you teach us to pray? They said, would you teach us to pray? And I think what they saw was that the value that Jesus had when he would go off on his own and spend time with the Father, they saw that to be more valuable than anything else that they had seen him do. This is how I see it. Because they had, they had their chance to ask him, teach us how to do all this stuff you do. And they said, teach us to pray. They saw him pray, and they said, teach us, teach us to pray. And so that's where we, that's where we land in this, this scripture in Matthew 6 that we call the Lord's Prayer. This is what Jesus taught them. And we've been kind of unpacking this scripture over the past couple of weeks. And we started with verse 9. And we started with, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. You remember this? And what we kind of, just if you, if you weren't here that day, what we unpacked was that when we come to God and pray to God, we come to him as he's our, our daddy, as he's our papa, as he's, he's he, we're intimate, there's a relationship we have with him, we can, we can crawl into his arms, if you will, and, and spend time with God, we don't have to be concerned with the words we say, we just talk to God, we talk to our dad. And then and then the, the, the second part of that was just may your name be kept holy. We, we, we talked about how in our lives personally, we want to make God number one in our life. We want to set apart who God is in our life as the number one person in our life. And that's what we talked about. Last week we talked about may your kingdom come soon and may your will be done. You remember this? And when we talked about may your kingdom come, what, what kind of we were driving home was that God's kingdom would come and break through into our world that we've established for ourselves. And that God's will will submit to God's will instead of praying that God will come and make our will happen. Remember this? That we we pray, God, will you come to my kingdom? Will you come make my kingdom work? My plan that I've created for myself. God, would you come and establish my plan? And what Jesus is teaching is that, no, we pray, God, may your kingdom come and we step into into your reign and your rule in our life. And may your will, the plan you have for my life, God, will you start to unfold that and reveal that to me so I can walk under your leadership and under your guidance as my father. And that's what we went for. And then today, we're going to cover just simply, give us today the food we need. Easy, right? Give us today the food we need. We're kind of leaving this area of if you look at this, of the, of the passage, we've, we've felt, spent time focusing on God. God's our Father. God's holy in our life. God's kingdom is, is number one. God's will in our life. We've, and we're kind of leaving now of focusing, God, this is who you are in our life. Establishing that. And we're going into now, can you provide for me? Can you give? And so this week it's, it's God give us. Next week it's God forgive us. And then the following week is God lead us, correct? God lead us, or do not lead us, but it is God lead us overall. So God give us. When I when I look at this, and just in the basic, give us the food we need today. We're talking about provide us our meals. But I think there's more that we need to unpack. I think there's a something else Jesus is teaching, and you guys probably knew that, right? When I when I hear this, I, I think of this this scripture in Philippians, just that Paul wrote as. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. We could pray that. God, give us the food we need. And just understand that God will provide us everything we need. And he has the ability to provide us everything we need. But we want to go deeper, okay? So when we pray, give us today the food we need. Here's what I believe we're doing. We're stepping into a posture. And we're saying, God... I'm looking to you as my provider. You are my provider. We're saying, I'm asking you to provide for me what I actually need as I'm in your will. Do we do that? I don't. A lot of times I say, What can my bank account give, <laughs> give me? Can I afford to go have that state? Can I not? I think about what I can provide for myself. But I believe when Jesus said, Pray give us today the food we need, we're saying, God, you are my provider. When we pray, give us the food we need, we're saying, God, what you've provided for me, I'm content with what you've given me. It's a, it's a posturing of saying, You're gonna, I'm going to ask you to provide for me, and then what you provide for me, I'm going to be content with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to not desire more or greater than what you can give me because I know that you have my best interest in your heart. And then when we pray, give us the food we need, we're saying, God, I trust you. And that's, that's a tough one for us because sometimes what we think we need and what God knows we need are two different things, isn't it? And so when we say, God, would you provide for me? God, I'm going to be content. God, I trust you. We're, we're having to posture ourselves of saying, I've got to get rid of what I think it is I need and really lean into what God wants for me, really lean into what God's will for me. As we journey through this life. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 16. And we're just going to look at why. I believe God said. Jesus taught us to pray. Give us the food we need today. Here in Exodus. We see the story of the children of Israel. It's the story of God's people. Being rescued from slavery of Egypt. And wandering through the wilderness. As they journey to the promised land. To the land that God promises will be filled with, flowing with milk and honey. This is what we see. And so what the children of Israel are is they're God's people, and they've been enslaved in Egypt for like 250 years or something like this. 250 years they've been enslaved by this ruthless pharaoh. And he's just, he's beaten these people down. He's he's appointed um, slave drivers to keep them in line. They work hard. They work for him. And... Everything goes good for them as long as they follow what that says. And then the story turns because along comes this guy named Moses. You guys have heard of Moses, right? And God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh. Now, this is really the quick version of this because there's a lot of detail that happens up to this point. But God tells Moses, go to Pharaoh. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. You remember that? Remember that movie? Is it called the Ten Commandments? Where Let my people go. This is, this is the story. It's God's people that have been set aside for him, being enslaved by Pharaoh. And Moses is the guy God's going to use to carry these people out of slavery. So he goes and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, "Uh uh-uh, not going to happen. I'm not going to do it. So what does God do? God sends plagues, right? Remember the plague? So maybe there's frogs. All these frogs come in the ground. It's to show Pharaoh that God's more powerful than he is. And so the frogs come, and Moses goes back, and Pharaoh says, "Uh uh-uh, not going to happen. So then flies invade the area. Not going to happen. Gnats. Gnats. You know those gnats that drive you nuts in the summer when you're having a barbecue? Not going to happen. My favorite is God sends a hailstorm. Giant balls of hell falling out of the sky and destroys the whole area. Now, because that's my line of work, I'd be looking for like, I'm going to go make some money now. But destroys the area, and Pharaoh still says, not going to happen. So what was the final draw? The final straw that God used was that he... All the, the babies, males, the boys in Egypt, God, they, they, God allows them to be killed. And then Pharaoh says, okay, after he's lost his babies, and Pharaoh says, get these people out of here to Moses. So Moses takes the people and moves them out. Now, the, the people, the Israelites, had known and been seeing this all happen. They saw God's powerful hand at work in order to free them and release them from the slavery of Egypt under Pharaoh. And as they left Egypt, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he says, wait a minute, I want, my, I want those slaves back. So he starts chasing them, right? And as he's chasing them, they're closing in, and they get to this big sea. And they're standing before this big sea that they have to cross, and Pharaoh's army is closing in, and God instructs Moses, and Moses stretches out his hands, and the sea parts. You remember this? The sea parts, and they... The people of God walk through on dry land and cross to the other side. And Pharaoh's army is still approaching. And so what happens is, as Pharaoh's army and his chariots and all his horses are in the middle of the sea, God then takes the water and crushes those that were trying to keep his people enslaved. And they all get wiped out. So, long story. Israelites had witnessed God deliver them from slavery through many miracles, right? Right? They saw the, the sea parted. They saw Pharaoh's mighty armies destroyed. And now they're on their way to enter the promised land. They've seen God do great things on their behalf, provide for them, free them, and now they're entering into the promised land. And in chapter 15, the entire chapter is a song of praise that they're singing to God for delivering them, for freeing them, for bringing them out of, out of slavery. My favorite part in chapter 15, it's not going to be up here, it's verse 20. It said, then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. Now I'm going to just tell you this, if you want to worship God here, don't bring a tambourine next Sunday, okay? (laughs) You can praise God here, and if you want to play your tambourine, talk to Dave and Mara and you can play it on stage but we don't bring a tambourine but you see what's happening is they're dancing before the Lord saying thank you God you you've rescued us we're free we've we've crossed the sea pharaoh's army can no longer come and have control over us now let me paint this picture for us this is what i think i see in this we as people born into this world are born into slavery and slavery has control of us. Slavery of sin and this world tells us what to do and how to do it, and we follow that. And at some point, if you call yourself a follower of God, you've come and you've been rescued out of that land of slavery, the Egypt, if you will, and brought through past the, the sea through the shedding of God's blood. Through the shedding of Jesus' blood on the cross, when you receive Jesus, his blood washed over the sin and the things of this world that want to keep you in slavery. Are you seeing this picture? Are you seeing this, that, the, the connection there? And you've now crossed over to the other side. We've crossed the other side. Slavery of sin and the things of this world don't have control or a hold on us when we come to Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus. They don't. And this is we 're on the same position on the other side of the sea, worshiping Jesus today the way that the children of Israel were worshiping God, and they worshiped and worshiped and worshipped. Think about when you came to jesus wasn 't that an exciting time, especially if you came to Jesus as an adult and you said yes to Jesus, and you could really see the difference between what life was like before and what life was like when you said yes to Jesus. You know that there was a magical like incredible thing that took place in your life because of Jesus coming into your life, and you worshipped, and you're excited, and you praise God, and you did everything you could to to be with God. Now back to the story. Look at this. Two months later, they're in the wilderness, and all of a sudden, the people begin to complain. Here's the first one in Exodus 16. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. They started first to complain about their leaders. Ah, I don't like that guy. That guy, the way he preaches, ah, he's not a good leader. God, why did why, why'd you have to appoint Moses to be our leader? But then in verse 3, here's the other thing they said. If only the Lord would have killed us back in Egypt. That's my moaning, crying voice, okay? They moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. It didn't take long, did it? It didn't take long for them to forget what God had done. Two months. Their people had been enslaved for generations. I mean, I don't know how many generations can happen in 200, 250 years. Like four or five? Full cycles of people? Seven? There you go. For seven generations, they had been Slaved, pinned down. They get rescued by all these miracles that God does, set free, Pharaoh can no longer chase them, and in two months they start whining and complaining about their situation in life. While the promised land is, is ahead of them, they, they know they're heading to somewhere that's awesome. They know that there's somewhere they're going to spend the rest of their life, the rest of their days, that is incredible, and they're complaining two months later. Now, I made that connection about them crossing the sea and deliverance and us being delivered. And now I'm making this connection about complaining, okay? God has perfect patience for us, doesn't he? And for the children, here's what he does. He makes a daily provision for them so they won't starve to death. And it's their daily bread. And it says this in Exodus. The Israelites called the food manna. It was white like coriander seed and it tasted like honey wafers. It tasted good. God provided good stuff for them to sustain them while they were on this short, supposed to be, journey to freedom in the promised land. Turn to to Numbers chapter 11 if you have your Bible with you. If not, it'll be up there. But Numbers chapter 11, it shows us that God's provision, providing for them once again didn't last long with these people. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship and the Lord heard everything they said. Oh, these people. Do you ever read in the Bible and you just think, these people are morons. Can't they just figure it out that God's their God and he's got a plan and he's going to take care of them. They're just morons, right? But then We look back and we say, oh, what about us? Because our spiritual hindsight, our biblical hindsight is always 20-20. We can read ahead and see how it worked out for them and think, man, if they would just hang in there, life would have been great. Do you ever do that? I mean, you read about the disciples and you're like, these guys were idiots. They were with the Messiah. And they're blowing it. You know what? Probably one of my favorite parts of this story is this. These people are sitting around whining and complaining. Here's what they said. Again, the people of Israel began to complain. This is in Numbers 11, 4 through 6. Oh, for some meat. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. For free. They had dismissed their slavery. And we had all the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone because all we ever see is this manna, this bread from heaven that God's providing for us. God's rescued them from slavery. He's promised them paradise that they're heading to. He's made daily provisions for them. And all they do is moan and complain and woe is me. And we kind of wish we were back in slavery. You know, God heard that complaint too. And you know what God did? I love this part. God sent quell. For them to eat, but here's what I discovered. There, there's some, there's some, maybe some argument about this, but best best numbers are there was like two to two and a half million Israelites. Okay, and the, if you read the story, it's awesome because it says God sent enough quail for them to eat, everybody to eat and be full, and some even gorge themselves to death for thirty days. Do the math. Two and a half million people, if they ate one quail a day each for 30 days, that's 60 million plus quail. And it came all at once. It didn't happen like a little fluttering. Like, if you've ever seen that movie by Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds, he's got nothing on God in this situation. Because what happens is, from the sea comes these quail, and they come in and they say it was like three foot high for miles, birds flying in. So God, these people are whining and complaining because what God's provided for them isn't good enough. So God says, okay, I'm just going to give you what you want. Boom, go for it. And they gorge themselves to death. No, not all of them, but they you know, they, God even said, I'm just going to give you what you want until you're sick of it. You're just sick of it. I like that part. So when we pray, give us today the food we need. Here's your take home, okay? Here's what I believe we're saying. I think we're saying, God, I'm going to embrace the journey. I'm going to embrace the journey that you've got me on because I'm under your will and because your kingdom is, because you're my father, because you're my king. I'm going I'm I'm to embrace that you are the one that's going to provide for me. I'm going to be okay with what you provide for me because I know I trust you and I know you have a plan for me. The children of Israel, they they saw it. And just like us, we have this relationship with Jesus. We've been rescued, right? Just like the children of Israel. We've been delivered out of the hands of slavery. You have, if Jesus is is your Lord, if Jesus is in your life, you have the freedom from the slavery of sin. And we have this promise of eternity in paradise with God. We have this promise that On the other side of this 70 years or 80 years or 20 years or whatever years we have, there's eternity. And God says, just just go along with my journey. Go along with my plan because my plan is good for you. So when we pray, God, give us today the the bread we need. We're we're posturing ourselves to say, I'm on this journey, God, and, and and you're in control. You're in charge. The children of Israel, they had stopped looking to God for their provisions. They were no longer content with the daily bread that he was providing. And as a result, they stopped trusting God on this journey to the promised land. You know the story. They went round and round and round the mountain until all the generation of the complainers died off and a new generation was raised up to enter into the promised land. They even wished, boy, we wish we could just go back to Egypt where our stomachs could be full where we can be content with what we think we want because the grass is always greener on the other side even though it's completely dead on that side because we just can't see the grass in front of us. How many times as a follower of Christ do you step back into the world because you think that's what's going to be exciting for you? You think that's what what God has in store for you or you're just tired of of trying to follow God, and you think, I can just go back and gorge myself on the stuff that I had before I came to Jesus. How many, how many times do we do that? Daily? Moment by moment? <laughs> Weekly? And then we come and we say, God, you're faithful, you're faithful. And God says, just trust me. So do you trust God as your provider? Do you really trust God as your provider? When, I mean, that means you get up and go to work still. But God provides for you. That means you, 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 you budget and you handle your bank account and, you, and you, you're smart about your money. But God's the one providing for you. Do you trust God as your provider? Do you say, God, whatever your will is for my life, I want to step into that. No longer am I going to pray, God, make my will happen. I'm going to step into that. Are you content with what God's provided you? Or do you see what your neighbor has and it's like, well, God, you know, they have a shiny new car. My car has rust. Are you okay with that? Are you okay? Because you know God's got it for you. You know you're on this short journey of life and the promised land is right before you and you're just, you're just in this path until God comes and his kingdom is established completely. There's something that God loves when his children trust him. Think about this. If you're a parent, I know what's best for my kids. Whether they think they do I know it 's best for my kids, and it 's a lot easier when my kids just accept that and we move along. But when they try and tell me they 're four years old that no dad i don 't want to eat this because i don 't like it, and i 'm saying, No, you need to eat that because it 's good for you that there 's a battle that i don 't want to fight. I just just trust me, trust me, Mor- Morgan and Ashley, would you do that? I put them on the spot. These brats <laughs> they 're good kids. <laughs> When we pray, God, give us today the food we need, we're posturing ourselves and saying, you're my provider. I'm content with what you have for me, and I trust you. Your father, G, through Jesus, rescued you out of slavery, out of bondage. He set you on a journey as part of his family that's, that only is going to last a short time. And then there's paradise. Then there's the promised land. And we have to step into this place of saying, God, I'm going to go with you. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to trust you. We're going to take time. Mary, would you come up? We're going to take time, like we have the past couple weeks, to just pray this prayer. Just pray, God, give us today the food I need. Give me today the food I need. And when you pray that, here's what I'd, I'd ask. That you would, you would just ask God to reveal areas in your life that you're not content that you, maybe you've taken back control of figuring it out. And you could you can, like, stack on top that he's your father, that he's number one in your life. You can stack on top that, as a follower, you want to come under his reign and rule and his kingdom, and you want his perfect will for you to be played out, not your will. But then it's, it's the posturing of saying, because of all that, God, I'm, I'm going to look to you for my daily bread. Look to you. So, so we're gonna. If you weren't here the past couple of weeks, we're gonna take two minutes, and and I'm just gonna. We're just Mara's gonna play, and you just pray this prayer. God, give me today the food I need, and and just spend two minutes talking to God about that. And then I'll I'll let you know when we're we're, we're at one minute, so you'll know kind of where you're at. And then take that prayer and stack it on top of the two prayers we've been praying. Our Father in heaven, may Your name be kept holy. And your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, so now you're, you're going to potentially spend six minutes a day with Jesus praying this prayer. And just really focusing it. Again, if you cannot get past that God's your father and you struggle with that, don't move on to the other. Spend all your time just asking God to heal you from whatever you're dealing with to not be able to say, you are my true father. Because I know that that's a, an area that a lot of people deal with. So spend that time to do that before you try to move on. To everything else, lock in that God's your father. That's number one, right? Is that you love God with everything you are, and you have to understand that He's your father. That He's not He's not a, a corporate God that wants to crush you, but He's a He's a daddy that wants to hold you. So do that, and then take the step down. So six minutes this week per day, if you could commit to doing that, and then we'll we'll come back next week. So let's let's just pray. I'll pray, and then and then I'll, we'll start the clock. So God, I just know that. This is, this is a big step that we we love to sing about you providing for us and that you're faithful and that you are great. But actually living that and walking in that's tough. So Lord, as, as we pray for this two minutes, would you would you just minister to each person in here? Would you would you begin to comfort those that just are struggling with with the provisions that they have? Would you give them the peace to know that you're in control? And meet them where they're at. So go ahead and start. two minutes why don't you go ahead and stand with me if you would we're gonna we're gonna finish in in a song of worship and then we always want to provide that time for for prayer so so as we as we finish in the song of worship I just want to say that if you're if you're free to leave when the song is finished Team will dismiss you, and you can go out out into the hall. If uh, if you uh, want to stay and just continue worshiping, feel free to stay. We just want to provide that area for you and that space for you. If you want prayer, come forward. There'll be people that will meet you. There's a little little thing on the back of our green card that we passed out. We're going to try, as parents, if you could help us out. We're going to try and and really provide this time this place as a, a space to worship. So. If, when you go get your child, if you would not let them come back into into the gym, we'd appreciate that. We're going to try and block them at the door, but we want we really want to just make this this place a, um, a space for you to to pray, worship, be with God, seek seek counsel, seek prayer from somebody. That's what this space is for, and you can stay in here as long as you want. So we'll, we'll finish with this worship song.